This is always one of my favorite discussions. Overexposure. Do you still like? Like the Kansas City Chiefs have really been exposed. I mean, you can't swing a dead cat without Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey on your TV. Are they making them more likable? Or are they overexposing them to the point where you're like, man, enough. Enough of the Chiefs. It is. It's literally one of my favorite topics. Purdue basketball got it unfair. Or was it? Foul discrepancy last night. By the way, people are on John Calipari's ass. And Luka Doncic compared to MJ? Stop it, stupid. Don't at me starts right now. Stop. Come on. Hey, welcome. And I don't know if this is legal, but we're going to play the game of can you tell? All right. Can you tell when I have taken a happy pill or not? See, doing this show after having re, uh, knee replacement, I'm sitting here and I'm in pain. I'm only four weeks in, three weeks on Monday. And I'm in real pain, and you guys have seen me sweating, right? Well, let me ask you a question. At some point during this show, the pain gets a little bit too much, and I take a happy pill. I'm good now. I haven't taken it yet. But let's play Can You Tell? Does my demeanor change And can you tell when I have taken the happy pill? I digress. Can you tell also falls in to the Kansas City Chiefs. Can you tell when a team gets annoying? Can you tell when you start liking? Let me give you an example. Peyton and Eli Manning. I was told by their guy. They got a guy. You know, one of their guys is here at Indy. They're very careful about overexposure. They understand that the window for them after playing isn't really like this long. It's long enough, but they want to keep it. They don't want to get overexposed, which is really odd because you can't, again, swing a dead cat without running into Peyton or Eli Manning. I mean, they're coaching the whatever that is, Pro Bowl, whatever the Pro Bowl is, whatever that thing is. Anyway, fast forward to the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, man, State Farm commercials, Subway, uh, Pfizer commercials, get the shot. Look, are they overexposed, Taylor Swift, or are they becoming more lovable? Are they captivating America? There is always a popular team, and they always equate it to the Beatles. Ah, it's like the Beatles were coming to town. I had the chance to do that, playing at Indiana. Every time Bob Knight went into the arena in 82, 85, whatever, the place was nuts. All right, it's kind of fun. People would be in the lobbies because they wanted a glimpse, not at us, but at Coach Knight. All right, do you become more fun or are you becoming annoying, the Kansas City Chiefs? Let's go buy some things. Let's go buy some things. Yesterday, you got Trailer Swift, Travis Kelsey, their relationship, Patrick Mahomes, the dad bot, that's endearing. I don't care what anybody says. Brittany frickin' Mahomes continues to be closer to Jackson Mahomes than she does to Patrick Mahomes. She's becoming an insufferable brat. Have they become annoying? All right, let's hear from Travis Kelsey about the circus. Trav, did, did you have any idea, I guess, when you, let's say, 18 months ago, two years ago. Do you have any idea, like, when everything with your podcast, obviously relationship that everyone wants to talk about, do you have any idea it would be this? I knew, I'm sure you thought, okay, this is going to be something, but now does it feel like this is, oh, I was not uh, I was not anticipating how this kind of has played out, but it's got to be fun and exciting at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 
it's exciting for me, but it was all brand new, man. I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I've from having the paparazzi follow me every single day into work to, you know, just uh, everybody having their having my name on their talk show every single day, whether it's sports, whether it's not sports. Uh, you know, it's just been a, it's been a crazy, crazy ride. I could have never anticipated, man. But um, I'm having fun with it. The majority of the world is having fun with it outside of all the cranky NFL fans that just don't want to see the <laughs> Chiefs win. It's coming um, around. So, they thought yeah. you were fake. They and, thought you were fake. And you know fake. what? We're slowly reeling them in. Yep. We're slowly reeling them in. They just they, they're fighting it right now. You know, what, <laughs> you know what I think it was? I think we all. Yeah, he's right. You are slowly reeling them in. You are. Because winners get the prize. I mean, let's just make that winners we like. So if you lose, people would be saying, well, well, Travis Kelsey, yeah. Taylor Swift distracted him. Taylor Swift put him over there when he should have been over here. Ah, but when you win, particularly when you win the way the Chiefs won, and Travis Kelsey wasn't good, he was great. He was phenomenal. He actually, and I've never seen this before, and I, I, I thought about it actually during the game. He was kind of willing the Kansas City Chiefs to win. Like, he was tougher than tough, and everybody piggybacked on it. So, yes, I agree with him. Swifties, I don't know. I mean, it has helped the NFL. There's like $450 million pouring into the NFL, whatever the number is, from the relationship between Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, and all the publicity. We get all that, okay? But that's not... That's not what I'm really talking about. You're going to see the highest-rated Super Bowl ever because more people are drawn to the sideshow. If you want to call it the circus, I just call it two people. Maybe they're in love. And we all respond because that's what we do now. Two people that are famous in love must be responded to by us. We must talk about it. We must share it. We must have an opinion on it. Is it real? Is it fake? Is it right? Is it wrong? Does it help? Does it hurt? It's really kind of funny. But you know we're going to comment on it. And thus... Because we will continue to comment on it and we have two weeks to do it, a week and a half right now, you know what's going to happen. It's going to draw more interest. And by the time we get to Super Bowl Sunday, the game is like at 6.30. The coverage starts at like, you know, two days before. I don't know. People are going to be watching. Uh, Colin Cowherd had some thoughts on people that don't or haven't bought in to Kelsey, haven't bought in in particular to Taylor Swift. Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Love him. Drake on everything. Spike Lee, Knicks games. Eminem, Michigan sporting events. We celebrate it. 80s, 90s, Jack Nicholson, Laker games. It's cool. Saw Jack. But a talented and beautiful woman is on the air. One who would never pay attention to lonely men, and it bothers them. There's a stat out there, it's kind of uncomfortable for you sad guys, that 50% of men never have real intimacy with a woman. That means the other 50% have multiple intimate relationships with women. And those ones that don't are angry and sad and lonely, and they are often misogynistic and resent women who didn't give them the time they think they deserve. We celebrate all these goofballs jumping on tables in Buffalo and cheese hats and men and men and Matthew McConaughey and Drake and Jack Nicholson, men and men and men and Eminem and it's cool and can I get a selfie and I can't believe I saw. 
and the young, attractive, beautiful, talented woman comes on for 25 seconds, and you're bothered. Uh, okay. Uh, is that it? Yeah, okay, he's not wrong. I'm not ready to paint all men that are mad at this thing with a broad brush. One thing I know, one thing I do know is there is a section of men out here that simply say, hey, man, I just want football. Now, I would argue that Cowherd, myself, others celebrate broadly Jack Nicholson or Drake or Spike Lee or whatever. I would argue that we discuss it more than anybody else. Like, I do think he's right when you say, hey, look, Spike Lee, can I get a picture? Hey, look, I saw Jack Nicholson at the club in the forum. I do agree with that, but I don't think anybody broadcast or goes to a game and says, hey, look, I got to see Jack. I got to see Spike. I do think this woman, as they're calling her, I've had a lot of people in my mentions say this woman is ruining football. And I think to myself, this woman is enhancing football. Well, you know, this woman is ruining Kelsey. How'd that work out? How'd that work out the other day? Did this woman ruin Kelsey? This woman has been awesome in every way. You know what also makes her awesome? How into it she is. It is. How into it. I mean, she's dancing. She's giving the faces. And what did people do? They immediately went to its fake. This is fake, they said, this picture right here. Her excitement is fake. I don't know. I think I'm pretty good at reading body language, but she's an actress. She's a star. She's a show person. She could fake me out. But it's awesome. If you're going to be annoyed by the Kansas City Chiefs, be annoyed that they're so good. Be annoyed that they whoop your ass. Be annoyed. Let me show you this next picture. Let me show you a picture of Patrick Mahomes. Not that one. He looks like a stud there. Let me show you the dad bod picture of Patrick Mahomes. Be annoyed that that bod right there is whooping your team's ass. That's what you should be annoyed by. You NFL fans, and uh, Colin brought it up, the guy's jumping on tables. Hey, look, Bills, you can't beat that. Don't be annoyed at Taylor Swift. Be annoyed that that body right there is piggybacking on the same body except Tom Brady wore it. Yo, why they have to do me like that? See, that to me is fun. That to me is why we like Brady. It's why we like Mahomes. They will interact. Yeah, they take themselves serious, of course. But man, they'll interact and laugh at themselves as well. Now, Brittany Mahomes, I'm not all in on. You want to see a little TikTok video of Brittany Mahomes and tell me if you're all in on her? I've had enough. I have. I've had enough. She's more towards Jackson Mahomes, who, by the way, we haven't heard much of. Let's show you Brittany Mahomes. Yeah, I don't know what I'm supposed to see there. I think I'm supposed to see her waving people off. I tell you this, Jackson Mahomes is a big kid. Jackson Mahomes is a real big kid. I don't don't have anything on that. I thought I would. I think I'm missing something. But 
Let me give you a little more Brittany Mahomes. I'm very careful about this. I'm very careful. A couple years ago, Urban Meyer, myself, my stepson, were leaving Indiana's football game. I called up Nick's. I said, hey, can we get some three or four Stroms to go? Yeah. My stepson went in, picked up the order, and didn't tip. He didn't know to tip on a takeout order. He's a young kid. I called him back. I said, hey, look, Van Dockage here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I picked up an order. My stepson, hey, we need to put a 25% tip on that. I'm very kind. I love the tip. I'm a big tipper. I am. I'm not going to lie to you. I like to tip. Tipping makes me feel better than eating. It does. Yeah. And if anybody ever tells you, because I know how it gets with me, well, Doc, it's this, Doc, no, no, no. If anybody, you can say what you want about me. I'm a bad guy, heathen, whatever, disgusting human being, whatever you want to say. But do not say that I don't tip. Well, anyway, here is Brittany Mahomes. Brittany Mahomes gets absolutely flamed by a restaurant person. Now, if I'm the restaurant owner, I'm firing this person. But here is what was said relative to Brittany Mahomes. Let's have a look. Today, I realize the world doesn't like Brittany Mahomes, not because she's annoying. No, I don't like her because she doesn't tip restaurant staff. I worked at the One Hotel West Hollywood. I was a server, barista, bartender. I did every position, and I believe Brittany was in town to shop for her wedding dress. And my first interaction with her, she ran up over a $100 tab. She was with her whole posse. Uh, Patrick was not there, but I believe their tab was well over $100, maybe like $130, $0 tip. And that happens sometimes, so I was willing to let the first one slide, and I'm like, maybe she just didn't like me, maybe it was something I said. Um, but they were there for almost a week, I think, and did not tip a single one of our staff. And not only did she not tip, she was just genuinely unpleasant, and I totally understand celebrities don't owe you anything, especially when you're out in public. As a public figure, you should always go out thinking, okay, the people I interact with are clocking these interactions and they're gonna remember this. And I will always remember that, Brittany. <laughs> I only judge people based off of their character and I think one of the easiest ways to judge someone's character is how they treat someone in a position lesser than them. And let's just say, character assessed. I feel dumber. I feel dumber for watching that because we don't know if that's true or not. Nick and Nick, don't do that to me again. I feel dumber. Like, anybody can go on a TikTok and say it. That's just piling on, and I apologize. Come on, Nick and Nick. That's just some idiot out there that could get on a screen and just pile on. People can do that about anybody. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Brittany Mahomes fan, but that's crap. I smack myself for having... I'm dumber. What is that line that they had in the... Uh, in one of those movies, uh, we thank you for it, but we are dumber for having... Brittany didn't... Shut up. Maybe you didn't deserve a tip. And if I were the wait staff or I was the manager of wherever that woman worked, I'd fire her tomorrow. See, wait staff should be like Omerta. Should be like Arthur. Should be like, just shut up. Should be like us playing for Bob Knight in the 70s and 80s. Hey, look, it's our thing. Yeah, it's our thing. You don't like what's happened? Don't matter. It's our thing. Leave me alone. Oh, man. When there's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from that, Nick and Nick. No coming back. I am dumber for having watched that blonde woman. I am dumber for having watched that TikTok. I will never get two minutes of my life back. <laughs> All right, let's move it on. Let's move it forward. Oh, man. Well, Brittany didn't tip, and Brittany didn't want to tip, and I wish Brittany would tip, and she didn't tip anybody, and it was over $100. Oh, shut up. 
What did she do at the end? Did she tip at the end? Did she put a big tip at the end on her bill? Shut up, lady. And quit with the Botox. You're too young. Uh, Cam Newton can't stop seeking attention. Cam Newton has a horrendous take here on Brock Purdy. And for some reason, Cam Newton, I, I, before we, we, while we watch this video, I want you guys to tell me something. What's he dressed like? You know what I mean? Uh, what's he dressed like in this upcoming video? I've never said that Brock Purdy was trash. What I did say is Brock Purdy is a game manager. That's not hate. That's just what I feel to be facts. But I still reserve the right to say this. To be labeled a game changer, Brock Purdy has to be the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Hmm. And that's not the case. And who's the best player? Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Man, look, I ain't recanting shit. No. And if you really want to just be honest, if you add in the defensive talent and you add in the offensive talent, Brock Parity is the 10th best player on this team. Okay, cool. Did he have a great game? Yes. Has yes. he been playing out of his mind? Yes. Is he a quarterback that's hot? Yes. yes. But he's still the 10th best player on his team. Uh, you know, remember, uh, his dad is a preacher, Cam Newton. His dad's one of those preacher guys, so there you go. Yeah, okay, just name the 10. I mean, it's, 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 let me explain one thing to you. Down, ball, late. He's the best player on the field. That's all you need to know. Down, my team is down, we got the ball, and it's late. Now, do you want the ninth best player behind center? Eighth? How about the seventh? How about Christian McCaffrey? You're going to run the single wing? No. The most important part of an NFL game, down with the ball, late. That's it. And that guy right there delivers. Now, I don't give a damn what some crazy-ass ex-NFL quarterback says. I would. I would care. But I can tell by the way he is speaking that he's just being a preacher that is speaking to get attention. I don't care if he's the 53rd best player on the team. You're down. You've got the ball. It's late. Fred Warner, you want him with the ball? Sure. George Kittle? Yeah. You want Fred Warner to intercept a pass. You want George Kittle to catch a pass. Get open first, catch pass second. But the fact of the matter is, you can debate all you want. You can debate whether he is a game manager, and it is the dumbest argument ever. A game manager means you win. That's what it means. Because there are levels. Superstar, superstar in the making, game manager, don't play. Backup. That's the levels in the NFL. And you can be a superstar. See, one of the interesting guys, now you can go from superstar in the making to don't play. And I'll give you Justin Fields. Justin Fields will never be described as a game manager. Why? I really don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's got immense talent, immense arm talent, and people feel like Brock Purdy doesn't. I, I don't know. But I know this. 
Josh Fields, if he gets traded and then starts on the journey of the traded journeyman quarterback until he finds a home, maybe as a backup and then Geno Smith style as a starter, is never going to be considered a game manager. Better to be considered a game manager than a journeyman backup. But the fact of the matter is this dude makes the right decision. This dude throws it to his team. This dude runs it when he has to. And it's really a stupid conversation, period. Because you can throw that out on anybody. you know. And to be the game manager, you have to be the best player on the offense. Really? I don't know. A lot of people would argue Gronkowski was the best player on Tom Brady's offenses. There are some that would argue that when Randy Moss was with Tom Brady, Tom Brady was the best player, or excuse me, Randy Moss was the best player on New England's offense those years. You don't have to be the best player. You got to be great at your position. I mean, best player, how do you define best player? As Cam Newton said, do you define best player by salary, by statistics? Well, last I looked, Christian McCaffrey doesn't have very good passing statistics and Brock Purdy doesn't have very good rushing statistics. So how do you judge best player in football? Basketball, it's kind of easy. I mean, that Tristan Newton for UConn is leading his team in every category. Scoring, rebounding, assists. I'd say that shows he's the best player. But there are guys, I don't know if you know this, Cam Newton, there are guys in football on the offense and the defense that go through an entire career and never touch the football. So how do you define best player? Man, he's the best player on the team. He's the 10th best player on the team. I almost fell asleep there. How do you define it? I'll tell you this. He's one of the two best quarterbacks left out of 32. Is he a better player than George Kittle? How would you define that? It's a stupid argument. It's a really stupid argument. Give me the 10 better players and tell me why they're better. Well, because he catches them. Okay. We knew this was coming. This was, you, you know how you go and you hear somebody, Jimmy Irsay did it here in Indy. Somebody says, we're all in. Our chips are pushed in on the table. We are all in, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-uh. We're all in on this season. Well, the New York Jets were all in. I mean, they are the definition of all in. When Aaron Rodgers came over, and if you saw Hard Knocks or you saw any of the press coverage, Aaron Rodgers was a de facto GM. Aaron Rodgers was a de facto team captain. Aaron Rodgers was at the level of ownership. All decisions went through Aaron Rodgers on the field, off the field coaching. They went all in. And everybody gets excited with that, right? Everybody, My team's all in. We pushed all our chips in the table. Well, be careful what you wish for. Because Aaron Rodgers, now it's starting to come. Now here we go. The, the media, who will always turn on you when things don't go your way, the media is now saying this. Wednesday's report paints the Jets as a rudderless ship. Sources describe Rodgers as the de facto general manager ahead of the real GM, Joe Douglas. Let's stop right there. What do you think? Let me ask you a question. Owner Woody Johnson comes into the office. There's Joe Douglas. There's Aaron Rodgers. They're talking about a player. 
if I'm Woody Johnson, I am listening to my general manager about what to do with the player, not Aaron Rodgers, if they have differences. I guarantee, or at least this is the way it seemed, everything that Rodgers said was going to be listened to. And a guy like Joe Douglas was in real jeopardy, Robert Sala, if you did not go along. Oh, I could see that a mile away. And I don't think I actually recognized it until I saw the implosion. Now, you blame it on, of course, you blame it on the quarterback, but that implosion was much deeper. Let's continue. While the quarterback's hand-picked offensive coordinator, Nathan, Nate Hackett, Nathan Nathaniel Hackett, is accused of losing the player's trust. What's more, head coach Robert Sulla is said to be obsessed with negative press, and although he publicly defended backup quarterback Zach Wilson, he's alleged to have blamed Rodgers' backup privately for the struggles. Let me stop and write that. Well, of course he did. I mean, what do you think? What do you think Robert Sulla privately is going to do? Do you think Robert Sala privately is going to go, yeah, you know, we lost Rodgers. I didn't coach it right. We got too distracted with stupid stuff. Yeah, of course, no. What he's going to do is he's going to do what most coaches do. You got to find someone to blame. You got to deflect. Look, I didn't draft Zach Wilson. You all did. Joe Thomas, you did. That's where Joe Thomas has a real problem. Because if I'm Woody Wilson or Woody Williams or Woody Johnson or whatever the hell the guy's name is, I guess it's Johnson and Johnson, so it's Woody Johnson. I got an eye. I got an under eye going towards Joe Douglas. I do. I got an under eye. What does that mean? That means you drafted Zach Wilson. Why am I listening to you about anything else? That's the under eye. Jaunice. I don't know what that means, but I've heard it. I'm looking at him with a jauntice eye. You drafted Zach Wilson. But anyway, here's another one. One unnamed coach so said he was alarmed. Now, here we go. We're going to start blaming Nathaniel Hackett. By Hackett's paltry level of preparation following the Rodgers injury, saying he'd never seen a team watch so little scouting tape on opponents. To many, the organization, this is the important part, seemed resigned to its fate even after Wilson pulled out a miraculous season-opening win over the Bills in relief of Rodgers. Let me explain this to you. From a coaching perspective, there are two things here. When you put so much in on a guy, man, oh, man, and that guy gets hurt or that guy doesn't deliver, you've built this thing up to a pyramid. Let me show you where you can see it on camera. To a pyramid. And on the top of the pyramid is your guy. He's going to lead us. And when that heads south, everybody's looking at each other. This has been the focus. This has been the purpose. This has been the objective. This has been the guy. He's gone. What do we do now? Take some strong leadership. It's like this. There are two theories in coaching. Bob Knight, Urban Meyer. I'll give them both to you. Urban Meyer made a big deal about rivalries. There's a clock in Ohio State in their locker room, in their weight room. How many hours until the Michigan game? When he was at Indiana, or when he was at Bowling Green on the schedule in the locker room, he highlighted the Toledo game. And Urban Meyer has been unbelievable, unbelievable, like his record is the best ever in rivalry games. Unbelievable. All right. 
Bob Knight. Bob Knight, none of it. Every game is treated the same. When we had really good players, we beat Purdue. When Purdue had better players, they beat us. Bob Knight's theory was, I don't want to make one game bigger than the other because if we win that game, how big a letdown going to be? Does it mean the next game's not that important? If we lose that game, does it mean the season's over? I don't want to do that. Two theories there. How do these pertain to Rodgers? Rodgers took the Urban Meyer theory. Rodgers and the Jets took, we're going to build this up. This is our thing. He is our man. Build it, build it, build it. Now, had Rodgers stayed healthy, who knows what would have happened. Might have been the right way to go. But clearly it wasn't the right way to go. Once Rodgers got hurt, clearly they didn't have the leadership. It's very interesting. It is. That is very, very interesting to me. Next, Jason Kidd. Listen to this. Luka Doncic is 24 years old. And Jason Kidd says he is in the atmosphere of Michael Jordan. Okay. Man, why? Look, I get it. Doncic is really good. I get it. But have, I don't know, to this point, has Dallas been really good? Now, let's talk atmosphere. When Michael Jordan came out and was dropping 63 against the Celtics in a playoff game, People said the same thing that I just said about Michael Jordan. I just said about Luka Doncic. Have they won anything? The answer is no. Doncic's done a lot of great things. Jordan did a lot of great things. He's a 24, 25-year-old, young guy, NBA. Doncic played as a phenomenal youth player coming through in Europe, playing at 13 with the men, all that kind of stuff. Jordan played on national championship team. 1982, got his ass beat by us in 1984. We'll talk to Steve Alford about that coming up at about 10.30. But the truth of the matter is this. They are in the same atmosphere right now. A lot of numbers when they're young. Team doesn't win much when they're young. But can we pump the brakes on it? Here's what Jason Kidd had to say. Jason Kidd had to say, look, he's better than Dirk. He's in the atmosphere of MJ. Best to ever do it. LeBron, Kobe. And so, just to appreciate what this young, young man is doing at the age of 24 is something that Dallas has never seen. I've said this internally. He is better than Dirk. Does think Dirk can never do. Now he, and now is the opportunity of getting the right people around him to ultimately win the championship. Let me read between the lines for you on this comment. Yes, I do think that Jason Kidd believes Luka Doncic is really good. Yes, I do believe there are a lot of things probably that Dirk could not do, that Luka Doncic could do. Sure. And some things that Dirk could do that Luka couldn't do. Even though it doesn't seem like Dirk Nowinski was that long ago, the NBA's changed. Waltz to the rim, lay it in, who cares? But I got to tell you, here is the backstory. 100 years ago, Pat Riley talked about coaching in the NBA. He had magic. He had Kareem. He said, the most important thing for me is to make sure that Kareem, Magic, and I are on the same page. you got to get your best players to get on the same page with you, to like you, to respect you, to want to be coached by you. And then the others follow along. What's Jason Kidd doing? I'm Dirk Nowinski, or excuse me, I am Luka Doncic. I read this. I like my coach. I like my coach. It's not like Dallas has won championships. It's not like Dallas has been great 
under Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, like everybody else, is fighting like hell to keep his job. So he says those things. He's better than Dirk. Does things that Dirk could never do. I'm going to give players, I'm going to speak like a player now. And Jason Kidd was a great player. I'm going to speak like a player. He's up there with MJ. He's up there with Kobe. He's up there with LeBron. Okay. Okie doke. All right. Smart. That's the backstory. I'll give you another one. I'll give you a different one. Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is in Minnesota, and he's scoring a lot of points. And he's making a lot of noise, and he's supposedly really good. Anthony Edwards got Tom Crean, one of my favorite coaches, fired at Georgia. He went to Georgia. They didn't win nothing. Now he's in the NBA. I think he's in Minnesota, and eh. Anthony Edwards hasn't earned the right to bitch, whine, and moan about the officials. Anthony Edwards said this. The officials were bad tonight. Yeah, they were terrible. We're playing eight on five. The cat got their tongue tonight. It's all good. It's not fair, but it's all good. I'm going to take the fine because the refs did not give us any calls tonight. See, I don't know why, but I want to hear from Jason Kidd. I want to hear from LeBron. I want to hear from Anthony Edwards. I don't know why. Young guys, entitled guy. I, I just don't. I, I'm, I'm weird about that. I just, I simply don't want to hear from him. I don't. I wish I did, but I don't. I don't. Deion Sanders back in the news. Deion Sanders claims other teams have contacted him about possibly leaving Colorado. He better be careful with that. I'm going to tell you what. Back in the day, I always have a story. There was a great basketball coach at Wisconsin named Dick Bennett. For whatever the reason, I called Dick Bennett when I got the Bowling Green job. And we were talking, and he goes, what are you doing about Coach's show. I go, I'm not doing nothing. I go, Coach, I just want to win, and then all that stuff will come. He goes, ah, that's a perfect answer. That's what I learned from Coach Knight. Dick Bennett said, you know what? Take care of the winning. Get good players. Get your system in. Get your offense, your defense, your transition. Get it all in. Get it to the point where you're going to win games, and then things will come. And it, it, it happened. After year three, we win a championship at Bowling Green. First time they had done it since 1983, 20-some years. Next thing you know, I'm offered a job at West Virginia. Next thing you know, yeah. Deion Sanders is going the other way. Deion Sanders started hot, and Deion Sanders is now claiming. He's doing some claiming. Ah, other schools are coming at me. Really? Huh. I don't inherit a legacy. I build it. I like that. Maybe that means, maybe, just maybe, that means that he's staying at Colorado. I don't know what his options are. Here's Deion Sanders. Many times this past season, meaning from, let's say, December to today, your phone rung about you potentially going to other opportunities <laughs> to coach. How many times? <laughs> couple times. couple times. couple times. But I'm happy where I am. As you see, if I'm out there um, home shopping with the with my kid, that means I don't plan on going anywhere. No. I got a kickstand down. I'm straight. I mean, I'm straight. I, I love this fan base. I love I'm looking out the window right now, these snow-covered mountains. I love I've been snowmobiling the last two weekends. It's key. That's something that a Florida boy ain't never done in his life. So 
Absolutely love it. I mean, Skip, I even got on one of those lift things, man. You I did? had to get in the one that was enclosed because I was not about to get in the one that you're hanging outside. No. But I got in the lift. I mean, loving life right now. My kids are uh, snowboarding. Shallow is Shador. I'm telling him to take it easy, but he went out snowmobiling with a couple of his linemen. So we're doing things that we have we would have never fathomed, man, and I'm happy about it. But I love me some Colorado. Wow. Like, I'm going to give my boy, Mr. Yurik Brett, uh, my commissioner, he told me this, but I took it after the third time. I don't inherit a legacy. I build it. Mm. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm not that kind of guy that's going to run off to somebody else's school and, and inherit an already okay. winning team and they just two, three games away. No, no, no. I inherited some bull junk and I'm going to fix it. You did. All right. All right. I love the, 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 uh, the pandering. Well, you did. Yeah, yeah you, you right. Yeah, you, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I got a lot to get to, but don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls and your date will thank you. Think about that. Mm-hmm. They will thank us too. Uh, what's up, fellas? Valentine's Day is knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered his prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 unit, Ultra, Ultra, 5.0 Ultra. I have one. I love it. It is designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Do yourself a favor. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, snack 20% off, plus free shipping with code, write this down, don't, capital letters, don't, A-T-M-E. What does that spell? Don't at me. 20% off, free shipping, code, don't at me, manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code, don't at me. Your grooming update awaits. Ready to charm your, oh, I get it. Your grooming update, upgrade awaits, ready to charm your Valentine's Day. See you. See you right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Oh, man, what a glorious day, Ty. Tyrese is starting his show, man. Don't even start me. Tyrese is starting his show. It starts today on OutKick. I can't wait. He's going to join us coming up at 10 o'clock. Usually we have a guest right now, but Tyrus is coming on, and Steve Alford can only do 1030. Because, shoot, he's got to sleep in, man. That's 730 local or 830 local, I can't remember. But maintaining 
with Tyrus. He is coming to OutKick. We are only growing. We are only getting better. I'm just sad that I am not going to be able to be at the Super Bowl because of surgery. My doctor put the kibosh on it. But I am always, always excited for all of our guys. You remember the funky QB? The funky QB's name was Jim McMahon. Why is he the funky QB? Well, there was a time in this country that everybody listened to Jim McMahon. The time was 1985, and Jim McMahon was a quarterback of the most popular team maybe in the history of the NFL up until that time, the 85 Bears. The 85 Bears captured the imagination. Mike Ditko was the coach. He was flipping people off. Walter Payton's sweetness was getting his flowers. Coming to the end of his career, there was a national phenomenon named William the Refrigerator Perry who probably would just be an average-sized lineman right now, but back in the day at about around 300 pounds, they lined him up in the backfield, and he would plow in for touchdowns. They made a video called the Super Bowl Shuffle, and it was awesome. It went to number one in the charts. Imagine this. I mean, it was a video. We'll play it maybe in the next couple days. I forgot to even think about it, but I thought about it this morning as I was getting ready, and Jim McMahon was the funky QB. Jim McMahon, everywhere he went, there was women, there was booze, there was things, there was helicopters. Well, as we get older, things change. As we get older, your, well, your priorities change. Jim McMahon's been through a lot of things, but Jim McMahon is not afraid to speak out still. The funky QB blasted the Biden White House administration. He, he teasing a potential presidential run with Kyle Turley, a former All-Pro lineman, that promote their cannabis advocacy and raise awareness about safer banking. But however, Jim McMahon joined legions of people, millions of people, in saying, look, I'd close the damn borders, for one, and then go find all the people they got in here illegally. It's ridiculous. We're paying all this money as taxpayers. It's not helping us at all. Sending it overseas. Who knows? Who knows where we're sending it? That's my biggest problem. My biggest problem is where are we sending it? I've seen no film of fighting in Ukraine. Maybe I got to look harder. Who knows where we're sending it, but it's not being used here in the States. Look at California. They get the most money every year from homelessness. And they have the worst homelessness population in the country or possibly the world. There's just so many things going wrong. You got to stop the crazy spending, printing money, close our borders, and let's clean house. Huh. No kidding. You ain't wrong, Jim McMahon. You ain't wrong. And more people need to speak out. More people need to stop being afraid. If you have a voice, use it. Let's make America great again. Oh, my God. I said what? Wait, wait. Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Ronald Reagan all said. Did I say that out loud? Oh, my gosh. I don't care about the Ukraine. Well, you just don't understand geopolitical. No, I don't. I need two people on Twitter to tell me the geopolitical ramifications of the Ukraine-Russian war for me here in the United States. Please. Please. This is going to be like the Holy Wars. This is going to be like a 2,000-year war with us funding this Zelensky guy in all of his mansions. Show me video. Let's get some video going of fighting in the Ukraine where our money's going. How about we have an accounting of where our money's going? But I digress. Speaking of money going, holy cow. The Los Angeles Chargers spared no expense in getting their guy. They basically said, look, here's a pen, here's a check, let's go. How much you want, Jim Harbaugh? What would you need, Jim Harbaugh? How can we get you here, Jim Harbaugh? 
The deal that he signed was five years, reportedly $16 million. That's according to Pro Football Talk, which would earn him, earn him $80 million. Is he worth the money? Yes. Let me give you a little history lesson. The NFL is printing money. The NFL is going to print more money. The NFL is going to be at one point, I'm going to say, if not seven days a week, five, four days a week. The NFL is going to be opened up to Netflix buying some. Going to be open. It's already prime video. There is only going to be more cash. And after this Super Bowl, where, oh, by the way, it's going to be the highest rated Super Bowl ever. There's going to be more money coming in. Did you know that Las Vegas has had its best months and the Super Bowl hasn't been played yet? Did you know that the NFL had over 59 million people watching on last Sunday? I'm going to argue because it always happens. You're going to get closer to 75 million than 50 million watching the Super Bowl. I don't think it's going to get to 100, but that'd be a lot. The NFL is printing money. Jim Harbaugh, let's talk about him. So the money is there. I'm in L.A. I'm second fiddle. I need to be really good. I don't want to be the Clippers. So you hire a guy that wins. You hire a guy that's interesting. You hire a guy that rallies the fan base. You hire a guy that when he speaks in front of the media... He doesn't really get criticized. He gets described as quirky. He's interesting. There's going to be hardball sightings. Paparazzi will be around. Season tickets have already taken off. Yes, he's worth it. 100% he's worth it. You're worth it until you're not. Look, I know Ben Johnson was supposed to go to the commanders. Would that be worth $18 million? Not until he wins. I know that the Canales guy went to Carolina. Is that worth 18 millions? Not unless he wins. Simple. Mike McDonald went to Seattle. Is that worth 18 million? Not unless he wins. Jim Harbaugh has probably already put 18 million in the Chargers' pockets. Between seat licenses, season ticket renewals, season tickets bought, guarantee it. The 18 million, nothing. And the NFL prints it. People can say, well, 18 million is a lot of money. Yeah, it is to me. It is to most people, but it ain't to something like the NFL. Harbaugh is 1,000% worth it. He will continue to be worth it unless he loses. Don't go. The only guy that, well, let's do this because I was going to argue with myself. I actually wrote it here, Dion. Is Dion Sanders still interesting? Like early in the year, that clip that we played at Dion, I would have clinched my cheeks and not ran to the bathroom and talked about that clip for another five minutes. Instead, I'm like, yeah, Dion lost. He don't interest me that much. I took off my mic, took off my earpiece, and went potty. Eh. It's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be with Harbaugh. If Harbaugh wins, we want to listen. If Harbaugh doesn't win... We got nothing. It's literally that simple. But the $18 million, it's a drop in the bucket. Let me tell you why it's a drop in the bucket. Peter Angelos, the Angelos family, 
They just sold the Baltimore Oreos for $1.725 billion. Billion. The Baltimore Oreos. First off, you ever been to Baltimore? It's the walking dead. The drug-infested place is zombies. Park's nice. Should be nice. Got water. You know what I mean. But the fact of the matter is the Baltimore Oreos at one time, now this is going back when Camden Yards was first built, were a, were a kitschy kind of thing. We're going to go to the Camden Yards. We're going to go. They had a fence this high. Guys would make diving catches over the fence. It was great. Now, yes, they got in the play. Yes, they're good. Yes, they're better. And yes, Angelos is smart. He's like, yeah, we're better than we were, so let's get the hell out. And he's smart. $17 billion. They bought the team in 93 for 173. That million, not billion. $1.725 billion. And you think, you think, you do? You think that the NFL doesn't have money? That's baseball. That's just baseball. Come on. Uh, our boy Dave Portnoy, our, Dave, our boy Dave Portnoy joined. Wait, wait a second. Hold on a second. I'm going to tell you how much this is. Six, five, five. That's a profit of $1,552,000. Gritty, baby. Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy joined Will Kane. Said it's a no-brainer to vote for Trump. Let's hear it from Portnoy. I would, I would describe myself as a uh, libertarian, is what I, I, I'm conservatively, I, I'm, I'm financially conservative, uh, socially liberal, but I, I also am a people person. I've said this many times. I don't like either candidate we have right now. How, having said that, it's a no-brainer I would vote for Trump over Biden, like, but it, that is not because I think Trump is the perfect guy for the job. Um, I just, I mean, Biden has dementia. I would like, and I think politics stinks in general. Like the first time Trump ran, I was very pro-Trump. I'm like, he'll break politics, the, the political spectrum. But I also want someone who's going to unite the country. And he's wildly divisive. Like, I don't, I don't think most normal people want to live in this country that is wildly, wildly divided. I agree with everything he said right there. I do. I agree with everything. Let me ask you a question, though. And this is the question. Who do you think unites the country? Like, I think for the first time in my lifetime, and this isn't the first day, I'm not saying that, I'm saying it's the first time that people are dumb enough that they stand right here or they stand right there with their party. I think we're that stupid. I do. I think that you could have Hitler against Manson. And if I were a Republican and Manson were a Republican, I'd vote Republican. And if Hitler were a Democrat and I was a Democrat, I'd vote for him. I think we could have the worst human beings to ever walk this face of the earth on either party. And I, honest to God, think that people are dumb enough to just blindly support their party. I really believe that. Because I think right now we're kind of in that. Like, I think Donald Trump's a pig. I think Donald Trump is, but I don't care. Because I think that what the other guy, Biden, has done has been horrific. But I will give Biden this credit, and I have to be consistent here. 
I've said this before, I'll say it again. My world, not your world, my world, growing up, gas prices. I don't want to hear the word inflation. Stock market. Those are the three things that I always said. Let me explain why. I've told you this before. When I was a kid in the 70s, Jimmy Carter, man, I heard the word inflation every night on Channel 7 News with Joel Daly in Chicago. Every night. Gas lines. Gas crisis. Gas. I remember when it went from like 32 cents to 88 cents at our gas station. I'm like, are you crazy? Yes, I know it makes me old. Shut up. And then... I remember my parents discussing their, I didn't know if it was a 401k. I don't know what the hell it was. So I've always said this in my world. Yes, I understand there's a broader world out there. I understand the border. I understand crime. I understand immigration. There's a lot of things, but those three things. So I got to give Trump or excuse me, Biden a little credit. I looked at my retirement account and it's up. I went and got gas the other day. It's 260. I can live with 260. I don't like over three. I don't like 260. I liked it 179 when nobody was using oil and the price went down. I liked that during the pandemic, but I understand. So I got to give Biden credit. What I don't like is the lying, the thievery. What I don't like, and I've expanded my view, I don't like somebody that gets up there and doesn't respect us, the American people, enough to tell us the truth. I was born a rich black child. At one day, I went with corn pop with the baddest dudes ever. I was a running back at Delaware. I just don't like it. See, my thing is simple. If people lie to me, I don't respect them. And if I don't respect them, I'm done. I'm done. Don't care what they think about me. Don't care what they write about me. Don't care what they say about me. I am done. That's done. Indy Star, done. Greg Doyle, write whatever you want. I'm done. Done. You lie, I'm done. Biden lies, I'm done. Now, you're going to tell me Trump lies too. Not like that. Not like this guy. This guy looks right in our face, tells us he went to 8 o'clock church. Now, you're saying that's no big deal. Of course it's a big deal. It's a massive deal. My standards are a little higher. Yours should be too. But I swear to God, it don't matter, man. You can put the worst human being as a Republican. Worst human being is a Democrat. People are dumb enough to just blindly vote for their party, and that is the first time ever. 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 Hey, I told you this before, but the Ravens and the Chiefs, you think I'm lying? My staff quickly brought this up. NFL on CBS. Most watched AFC championship game. 55 million viewers. The game Sunday peaked at more than 64 million viewers. Back-to-back weeks, CBS, NFL, AFC championship game, over 50-plus million. Most streamed live event ever. Double-digit year-over-year growth. All key metrics. Led all networks during the postseason. 45.607 million viewers. Best postseason since the NFL returned to CBS in 98. Now, there's absolutely no reason for that other than the guy on the left. And that's why, before I get to Tyrus, I'm going to ask you once again. We're coming full circle. Are the Kansas City Chiefs wearing your ass out with their circus? Or are you liking them more because, well, their circus? 
Tyrus starting a new show right here on OutKick. We'll talk to him next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the OutKick network. Hey, our friend Tyrus is going to join us in about ah, five minutes here. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's go. It's Thursday. You know, we give out awards on Thursday. Bump it above, bump it above, bump it above. The damn award stud of the week. I said this the other day. I will say this again. I will not stop saying it. Coaches, you need to understand. Get out. Get out. Get out. See, the modern coach like Nick Saban has made millions of dollars. They all have their lake homes. In fact, I wanted to be like the old coach that made millions of dollars, even though I didn't make millions of dollars coaching. But I wanted a lake home. Couldn't afford two homes, so I bought a home on a lake. And I lived there. I like it. But these guys all have their lake homes. Kirby Smart, I'm at my lake home. Remember Dan Mullen came, I'm at my lake home. All right, that's cool. Well, they get to enjoy their lake home, their family, whatever it is they like to do once they get out. Get out. Nick Saban got out. And guess what? He's having a blast. He's playing golf with rappers. He's playing golf with stars. He's golfing with A-list celebrities. He is an A-list celebrity. To the victor goes the spoils. And Nick Saban gets to retire as the greatest football coach ever. So next thing you know, here comes Nick Saban. Here comes 50 Cent. Let's play golf. Here comes an event. We got to play. Good for Nick Saban. I'm telling you, guys will realize, I've said this before, my first Thanksgiving, not coaching, not playing. I looked around. I'm at my brother's house. My mom, my sister, my wife, my sister-in-law, Roberta, cooking their ass off. I'm like, hey, what do we do? We watch football. There's some basketball on. We're going to go play pool. We're going to gamble. We're going to play poker. What? This is awesome. Why haven't I been doing this? I don't know. Man, oh, man. Get out. Loser of the week, LaMelo Ball, his team has like 10 wins, and he's sitting there on the bench when they get their ass beat, and he's just laughing. I tell you what, the NFL needs to have a come-to-Jesus meeting about how to appeal to their fans. Because if you're appealing to fans that love basketball, I got to tell you, that's a turnoff. That's a real turnoff. You want, you want, as a fan, to at least feel the team is as invested in winning as you are. Period. Ain't no ifs, ain't no ands, ain't no buts about it. You want to feel like these guys, these players, are going to take losses tough. Now, I get it. It's 82 games. We all understand that. But the fact of the matter is, you know what? you got to at least fake it till you make it. And if you can fake it till you make it, ladies and gentlemen, we love you. Because people are starstruck. You're making a ton of money. But don't throw the fans of Charlotte away That's a basketball community. That's a basketball town. That's North Carolina. That's Duke. That's North Carolina State. That's Wake Forest. Are you kidding me? They love hoops. They want you to care. Duke fans don't laugh when the team's getting its ass beat. 
They don't want you as a player to either. Certainly don't want the Carolina Hornets players laughing when they're getting their ass beat for another year. Don't do it. Don't. Stupid. Our friend Tyrus is starting maintaining with Tyrus. Let's show it, baby. Let's show Tyrus taking on the woke. The one thing I noticed you're going to take on the vegans and, and these. And they're ridiculous. And the reason why I call them ridiculous is not because I disagree with them, not because I eat steak. Because the way they present themselves. Now, the argument is the, ar- the argument, But there's no argument. Mm. Because you can't. An argument is an exchange of ideas. Mm. They're preaching mm. based off of limited information. That's the biggest thing I've noticed about woke. There's never been an argument that I've seen you have and I'm, I'm a, I have, or myself to where I'm debating somebody who's having a woke thing where they say something where I'm like, man, I haven't really thought of it that no, way. No, because they haven't thought it through. That, okay. You know, whether it's the vegan debate, whether it's the transgender athletes debate, you know, whatever it may be, they never really think these things through. What I do, and I think you're the same as me, we're quite logical people. So we hear an argument and we think, well, what's the logical extension of that person's argument? If the logical extension of an argument of the trans athlete in women's sport debate is that Usain Bolt ultimately could identify as a woman by putting his hand up and take part in the women's 100-meter Olympic final, would anybody in the world with a brain think that is reasonable or fair? Of course not. Therefore, the logical extension of that argument takes you to a place where you realize that side of the argument is deeply flawed. But maintaining what Tyrus starts today on OutKick, I got to tell you, you said something there that just resonated with me. Whenever I'm having a discussion with somebody that has a view, whatever you want to call it, let's say a woke viewpoint, I I really never do go, well, I never thought of it that way. I, I yeah, never, it always ends up with, I never do. It's, it, that's a hell of a point. I think, I think the reason why is because you can't uh, debate feelings. And uh, feelings, no matter how much you want them to be, aren't facts. Feelings are just uh, emotions we do to make ourselves feel better. So I think that's the thing is that you're, they're arguing feelings and trying to pass them off as facts. And I think that's the tough part is when someone feels some kind of way it, just because you feel that way doesn't mean it translates to anybody else. And I think that's the, that, that's the argument. That's the, their way of doing things is uh, so they can avoid the argument. They just hear themselves speak because that's really what they're, it's like an echo chamber. Feelings are interesting to me. Like I, I may be born without a couple of the feeling genes because I get it. Something happens to my family. Something happens to my job. Okay. I'm, I'm upset about it. But God dang, how long do feelings really last? What does offended really mean? Yeah, well, it doesn't mean what it used to, because offended, you had to have a deep belief system in something or uh, an educated background and somebody insults your your intelligence. But now it's um, offended is, again, it's a feeling. Feelings are a little like fancy lies. Kind of a weapon. Yeah, well, it's, you're creating you're creating safe fights with guaranteed outcomes, you know, because, well, you hurt my feelings by saying this word uh, or, or making this joke. And I'm so offended. And the only way I feel better is if you, you're not allowed to speak anymore. So that's, like I said, it's, it's, it's a childish. It's like a three-year-old thought process where, you know, I'll say something. I don't like what you say. So I'm not going to be your friend anymore. You know, it's that type of behavior, but it's been very effective. Um, you know, but we're seeing a change. I think uh, people are getting tired of it, and and um, we're starting. The world's starting to come back to the center. So the the fringe 
that had a they had a good little run with their you know pronouns and their feelings and all that kind of stuff. So it really disguised the people have all these extra things. It's like extra flowers on a frosting cake and stuff because you know the cake isn't that good. What's going to happen with Donald Trump and Franny Willis and all that nonsense that's going on in Georgia? I think um, well all the well all the questions about her ethics or whatever uh, I think is is probably not going to amount to much anything, but um, most likely they'll get whatever conviction they're trying to get. Uh, we've seen. You know, uh, Jury selections have been yeah, interesting. So I, I, it's a mess. That's all. Best way I can say it, it's a mess. You know, I I think it should be thrown out. Just looking at it, but again, uh, I'm still getting confused with some of the outrageous numbers. And you know, it's like it's a designed effort to try to bankrupt a former president so he can't run. Apparently, so I mean, it's just one of those things where it's the facts are all over the place, uh, and it just seems like. Uh, He's already convicted before it even started. You know, we're seeing, you know, they took him off the ballot in Colorado because he was part of insurrection, but nowhere has he even been charged with anything like that. So clearly, again, we're dealing with a, a they feel like he did something. So that should be good enough for the jury. Hopefully not. But um, it's this will make or break the woke case, I guess, uh, how uh, President Trump fares through these uh, feelings attacks. Think he pays eighty-three million to that lady? No. Do the appeal. Um, you know, you got to respect the, the court findings, even though it's seemed, I mean, crazy. Uh, and then you know, you see the person gloating on uh, the news, talking about how they're going to spend the money and stuff, and that just seems to me, uh, if someone is hurt or that way, the the message you're sending should. I don't think that should be it, you know, but uh, that was that was very interesting to me that, you know, she wanted to take Rachel Maddow shopping and things like that. And I just find that that to be very uh, counterintuitive to someone who survived something. And I think it would have been about the strength and encouraging others to stand up for the good fight. And, and if somebody wrongs you, you know, it's never too late. But that really wasn't the message that was being put out. It was more uh, celebratory of what we're going to do with all the money. And uh, that, that should have raised a lot of eyebrows. I would hope so. I mean, I, I saw that. I, I'm thinking, man, that's just uh, Corey Bush. Corey Bush in Missouri. She's paying her husband all kinds of money. What's the story here? What are your thoughts on Corey Bush and what's going on being investigated by the DOJ? Well, I'm glad they're investigating. And again, I guess, uh, you know, it's, everyone loves the bodyguard. So, uh, you know, she, I guess she fell in love with the bodyguard. But I think the all the semantics and clearly uh, the money that was being spent is and the fact that it was always supposed to be in the name of security because her security was so important to her. Her protection was so important to her, but uh, it's not important to her, the people who live in her district because all she did was lead the charge on defunding the police, doing everything she can to defund the police and to where everyone else is unsafe. And then she used her campaign. It's almost like uh, it's like cause and effect. I'm going to scream that from the top of this mountain, the police need to go. And at the same time, I'm going to take taxpayer dollars and uh, pay for a bunch of security to keep me safe. And oh, by the way, 
one of the bodyguards I'm happening to be in a relationship with. Yeah, I'm sure that's that happens all the time, right? That's fair. But again, it's just the it's the hip it's the hip, hypocrite of the of the of the squad. These guys they they don't have any basis for their arguments. Whenever you come to them with facts and you look at the statistics, uh, as far as like who of, of bad cops and stuff like that, it's just the numbers aren't there to support what they're trying to trying to pass across everybody. It doesn't pass the smell test. And when they're questioned or called out, the people who are doing it are attacked and called racist or their Uncle Tom's or whatever the hell name they can come up with at that moment to try to discredit them. And now uh, the facts are, again, they hate those facts. And uh, people, the investigation is supposed to be based on facts. So I think uh, she's probably in a lot of trouble for, for what she did. And again, her I think her bigger issue, though, is... Uh, her um, behavior and her, her support of Hamas, I think that is going to be a, a bigger issue for her as far as the re-election campaign. They, she has a challenger now. So um, I, I think uh, the least of her problems is going to be having to explain uh, paying your loved one for security and then having him take you on an exotic vacation and stuff. So with the money, with taxpayer money, I think uh, people should have issue with that. Probably nothing will get done in Congress over it, but the voters could could have a big say, and hopefully they do. You know, I always try to look at both sides of it. I, I do. I try to look at both sides. I, I, I say to myself, at some point, somebody, or maybe she just didn't listen, but at some point, somebody's got to be able to say what you just said. Look, this is incredibly hypocritical. You know, you're paid yeah. by these people that elected you, and but it appears like it either doesn't matter or they've built up in their own mind it's okay if I do it. This is my own money. I, I, don't, I don't get the other side, how you could not view that as incredibly hypocritical to the people that paid you, pay your salary, and voted you in. Well, because they've created that supposedly 50% of this uh, country are MAGA domestic terrorists. So they, they right. have to have the security to keep them safe with a good fight, you understand, even though there has been absolutely no violence from the so-called MAGAs uh, when President Trump was not elected and uh, Joe Biden was in. I didn't read many uh, stories about MAGAs burning down cities and marching and attempting to do something about it. Uh, they pretty much took the L uh, and went on with their lives. The buildings being burned down and the rioting and looting is not happening on the extreme right. It's the extreme left who's doing it, but everyone's claiming the right's about to do it, and that allows the extreme left to basically do it in, in broad daylight. I want to get into some football with you. Oldest coach gone, Pete Carroll, youngest coach, Mike McDonald in. There you go. Youth movement in the NFL. Yeah, uh, I was surprised. I thought Carroll was still uh, – I thought he was still doing a pretty good job with uh, Seattle. You know, they didn't have uh, – I hate saying that Geno Smith wasn't much at the quarterback position, but they didn't have a star, we'll put it that way. We'll just say it that way. And uh, they, the Seahawks were always relevant, and before he came, that was not the case. So I was kind of surprised, and then uh, apparently they wanted him to take a position uh, in the office, and I guess he didn't want to do that. So, you know, uh, him and Belichick are both out, and that's kind of uh, that's uh, it's a little strange, but uh, that's the way things go. Given what you know, all right, like, we're not there. You're not in the building. Would you hire Belichick? As a defensive coordinator? Yeah. As no, a GM? he ain't doing that, brother. 
Yeah, as a GM, no. Uh, defensive head coach, as just the sure. coach. But just the coach. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean that's kind of like he just didn't draft well. He doesn't. He couldn't draft a receiver uh, to save his life, and uh, he would you know dra- always draft good corners, but he never paid them. So we kept repeating in the draft, getting corners. We get shut down corners. We get all star. We get all pro corners. And when it's time for them to get their money, he doesn't want to pay him. I'll just get another one. So we continue to have great defense, but offensively, he just never really picked a guy that we were like, wow, you know, couldn't pick a pro bowler to save his life or just, and the guys he passed up on are having like, you know, Jefferson and some of the other guys that he passed on are having hall of fame careers. So it's just, it's blatant. It's kind of, you know, how did you miss that? You know, how did you not see that that guy is six, four and the routes he's running, he, you know, how do you not see that? So I, I think a lot of people are kind of like Tom Brady, was a once in a lifetime kind of a guy. It's like drafting a Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, you know, Andy Reid looks like the greatest coach in the world, but before Mahomes, he couldn't win anything in Philly. And that was actually kind of had the, the, uh, thing that he couldn't win the big game stigma. He was kind of getting that Marty Schottenheimer syndrome. And, uh, you know, it's amazing when you get an, an all-star, an athlete, how, uh, your coaching, your coaching trajectory changes quite a bit. So, I don't, I don't think it would have been a good fit for Bill in Atlanta. I don't think it would have worked out very well. My biggest thing here in Indianapolis is exactly what you said. Look at the people that you passed up. Uh, it's incredible to me. All right, last thing before I let you go. Congratulations on the show. Who wins the game? 49ers, Chiefs. Who you got? What do you like? Uh, I think it's 49ers in a blowout. Wow. All right. I, I, just, I think it's a blowout. I think um, – Ravens made a lot of mistakes. I mean, they made a lot of mental mistakes. I mean, they basically served the the, the game on a silver platter to the Chiefs, and uh, the Chiefs uh, took advantage of it. But I just think the 49ers started out slow, but once they started going and the offense started grooving, I mean, they've been doing that. They've been blowing out really good teams all year, and uh, they struggle with bad teams. And I think uh, they kind of – once they figured out when they had 20, what, 27 unanswered, uh, that's a lot of momentum going into the Super Bowl. Uh, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. I can't wait to watch Always the show. Fun. Thanks for uh, everything. It's my pleasure. Right, yes, sir. Yep. There he is, the host, maintaining with Tyra starting today on your Outkick Network. The interview with Pierce Morgan is absolutely fantastic. It is. It's just absolutely fantastic, and he is going to kill it. As Outkick Well, we're just rocking and rolling, baby. We're just getting her done is what we do. We just continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. All right, I took a happy pill. It has not kicked in. It has not. And yes, to my next job, my wife will be driving me. People act like at 6'5", 250 pounds, if I take a little whatever this pill is, a happy pill I call it, like I'm going to be a crazy man driving. But hey, look, I don't like to drive when I've had any type of alcohol or a pill or anything. So my wife will drive me, but I ain't mad about it. So let's see. It has not kicked in. I'm going to tell you when it kicks in. Like, there are very famous athletes, one here in Indiana, that got arrested. He didn't get arrested. He got pulled over by a friend of mine, state trooper, admitted to having 25 perkies, 25, because your tolerance 
I can kind of feel it right now. I'm getting happier. My knee's starting to feel better. My ass isn't hurting. I don't think I'll be sweating. Look at the top of this glorious head. I don't think it will be. I do not think so. So let's go back to the damn awards, shall we? Let's go back. Strangest story of the week. We already talked about it. I mean, we did. We, 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 we already talked about it. Is Jim McMahon going to run for president? Just do it. See, here's the deal. One of the things that I know is what I don't know, right? So Jim McMahon, the funky QB, is Jim McMahon. And I'm sure when he goes to the card shop, and there he is, Gary Fensick, Singletary. There's Thomas. There's Peyton in the middle. There's the funky QB. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They got them all in. Steve Fuller right there in the middle. Willie Galt's in the house. 55, Otis the Rope Wilson. Do you know why they called him Otis the Rope? They did. Otis the Rope, number 55. Greatest linebacker ever. He and Wilbur Marshall, Mike Mike Singletary, number 50. But Otis the Rope, those of you that know, you know. Anyway, stop it, Dan. You're making this show risque. You're making this show not kid-friendly. But he was. He was the Rope. Anyway, ah, ah. Worst week, Dan Campbell. Look, it's one thing to lose the game. You made bad calls. After the game, you still got adrenaline. You get up there. You talk about it. Media kills you. You know they're killing you. You know they're crushing your soul. I crushed them. Fox, whatever. That was Sunday. Let me take you through a little coaching 101. That was Sunday. Monday, you know you're getting killed. There's still adrenaline. You're still involved. Tuesday, okay, fine. By today, tomorrow, it hits you. All the external stuff is gone. You're really not reading about Dan Campbell. You're really not reading anymore. We've moved on to the Chiefs, the dad bod. We've moved on to Taylor Swift. We've moved on. All right? We've moved on. Here's the deal. He has it. He hasn't. This is when it gets hard. When you're sitting here or you wake up in the morning, this is always when it was hardest for me. You wake up in the morning and it hits you. Oh, man. If only out of. This is a true story. When I was in high school, we lost. State Final Four in front of 20,000 people. Best friend of mine missed two free throws, no time left on the clock. There was no classes. We were a small Catholic school. College, I turned the ball over with a minute 18 to go to go to the Final Four. After we'd beaten Michael Jordan, we're up one. I turned it over. We could never. We were up one day. We could never get the lead back. Even though I hit a shot later, I, I rationalized it in my own mind. Coaching, we're playing to go basically to the NCAA tournament. We miss a blockout. They hit a shot. Overtime, they hit another deep shot. Nobody's fault. We lose. Coaching playing against Minnesota, 1.1 second to go, long pass, catch, turn, kid throws in a shot, we lose. I won 160 games, whatever it was, had a ridiculously overachieving career, beat Michael Jordan, whatever. I don't think about any of it. I think about those four games. One happened in 1980. One happened in 19... 1984. One happened in 2000. 
And one happened in 2008. Long time ago. Think about them every day. Every day. Every day, one of those games pops into my brain unless I'm just totally waking up at 7, playing golf till 10 or 11, having uh, lunch, going to play, unless I'm totally occupied the entire day. But then when I go to sleep, I think about it. This is Dan Campbell. This is a lifetime. Now, how do you get over it? Well, you get over it by winning the Super Bowl the next year. But for me, again, I don't pretend to have a life. I've raised my kids. My kids are out doing great. My stepkids are doing great. I live with the love of my life. All-timer. You could shut down everything that we're currently doing, and if it was just she and me living somewhere, it'd be a great life. But I'm telling you, those four games, one of them or all four of them or two of them or three of them, stick in my craw every single day. Every day. Period. And that's what Dan Campbell, he'll never get over this. Now you say, what does that mean? Uh, It doesn't mean like his life is ruined, but he'll never get over it. He won't. Tony Bennett, the coach at Virginia, Matt Painter, the coach at Purdue, they won't get over losing to a 16 seed. Now, much easier for Bennett because he won a championship the next year, and you could say, well, that helped propel us. Painter has the same opportunity coming up in the NCAA tournament. But I just gave you coaching 101. Dan Campbell, worst week, starts basically yesterday, today, somewhere in there. All the hoopla is gone. It's all gone. It's just you. Because as that run, you're, you can fool everybody. You can make it, you can do everything you want to do. Any way you want to do it. But you can't fool yourself. And as a coach that cares, yourself, your mirror matters. I say this all the time, right? What you want about me, good or bad. Talk how you want to talk about me, good or bad. Think what you want to think about me, good or bad. But I've said this forever. I look at the mirror. The mirror judges me. And that mirror tells me that in four different games, as a coach and as a player, had they had one of them gone a different direction, my life would have been better. Would it? I know everything happens for a reason. Dan Campbell knows everything happens for a reason. Are you kidding me? Of course we know everything happens for a reason, but screw that. Screw that. Kick a field goal, go up 17. They gave you another chance. Kick a field goal, get a tie game, get your defense strike, and go win the game. Those are his decisions. Those he has to live with. Those he has to wake up with. Those he has to look in the mirror with. Steve Alford won a national championship in Indiana. I was teammates with Steve. I love Steve. I'm going to ask him that exact question. Are there games, even though he won national championship, even though he's won conferences, even though he's been a successful, unbelievably successful head coach and a really good dude and a Christian guy, a real Christian guy, not a fake Christian guy, Are there losses that he thinks about more than the wins? Now, I'm going to tell you. In 1984, when I turned it over and I consider myself to go to the game, had we won the national championship in 1985, I couldn't have given a rat's ass about what happened in 1984. Period. Just telling you, man. Dan Campbell, he had a bad week. 
Uh, Steve Alford, Dan Dockage. It's a dream team for women in their 60s, 50s in the state of Indiana next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, I've said this publicly. There's nobody in basketball, in my time in basketball, going back to, shoot, whatever you want to say, 1980, let's say, when I was a high school junior, that I respect more than Steve Alford. Nobody. Steve came to Indiana to be an All-American. I came to Indiana to try to make the team be on the team. And Steve was. Uh, Steve, now uber successful. Coach, I'm his biggest champion. I'm not going to get into the Indiana thing. But, Steve, i got to ask you something. I was just talking about this. You've had an unbelievable career, Olympic gold medal, uh, national champion, I said this in my life, and maybe this is because I'm so shallow, I don't know. There are four games, one of which you were involved with, that some point in the day I think about. One was in high school, kid missed two free throws, no time on the clock, we, we didn't win a state championship. One was when we beat Jordan, I turned the ball over with a minute 18 against Virginia your freshman year. One was coaching, we're going to go to the NCAA tournament uh, at Bowling Green, kid misses a block out. They hit a three. We lose the MAC championship. And the other was at Indiana when I was coaching. Now, I think about those, Steve. I think about the losses. One of those games comes in my memory even 40 years later. Do you do that? Do you, do you think of losses or do you just, you know, you just moved on and live in life? Yeah, I think we all move on. But, yeah, I, I think about missing two free throws at the wigwam. Uh, with five seconds to go to win a game, and it ended up costing us a conference championship my senior year. And obviously Cleveland State um, ending our season. Uh, I think about that all the time. But then I also think about how we came back and practiced for the next two weeks. So uh, Coach Knight and all of his teachings uh, allowed it to be humorous now 40 years later as well. Um, And then I've had games, you know, I had a really good team at Iowa, that made the national tournament. We got beat by Northwestern State. Uh, kid, deep corner and hits the side of the backboard, banks it in from the side of the backboard to beat us. You know, so you think about think about those things all the time. Made a national title game at Manchester and lost to Bo Ryan. You know, those are you always think about those things because, but you're also very blessed with how there's been so many more good things in both of our lives that uh, you appreciate those things. Yeah, I, I, you know, it doesn't consume me. You know what I mean? Like those losses, yeah. but you know them. You, like I was talking about Dan oh, yeah. Campbell, the coach of the, of, the, of the Lions. You know, the coach of the Lions, yeah. you, you, go, you go through and it's such a big deal. And then all of a sudden, all the media goes away and you're just left by yourself. And that's when it really it, kills you. As a coach, right. I'm, I'm curious this, Steve. You've, you've been really successful. 
Bear Bryant always said, what do you do game day? And Bear Bryant said, I think of ways not to lose the game for my guys. When you think about a coach, what's a coach's responsibility during the game? During the game? Um, during just, the game. I, I, I think during the game to be able to see uh, the ebb and flow of the game. Um, obviously, preparing the team is my most uh, – that's the thing I – I strive to do the right. best is how I prepare my team. And then once the game starts, uh, did we do that correctly? You know, is a team doing something different with pick and roll covers or, or how they're running their offense? If they, did they have a bye week and now they put something different in? I think it's our job of coaches to be able to make those in-game adjustments that can help your team if all the, we talk about it all the time to our players. Do what we do, uh, how we have it set up, so that then coaches can make adjustments. If you don't ever do what – we have set up, then we can't make adjustments because we don't know if the game plan was right or not. Uh, so just uh, my whole thing is do what we do. It's how we've got set up. And then if, it, if it's wrong or somebody's doing something different, then we can make those in-game adjustments. Steve, Coach Knight passed away, and I, I didn't talk to you. Uh, I had my right. statement. You had yours. You know, um, I've said this. Now, whether people liked Coach Knight or liked you – or disliked you or me or Calvert, it was our thing. Like, it was right. our thing. It was Indiana's thing. Out externally, you can dislike. When you heard Coach Knight pass, what were your first thoughts? Yeah, I had seen him, uh, Dan. I'd spent time with him about three weeks um, prior to his passing with, with Pat. And as you know, the last two years, Coach has not been in very good health at all. And, you know, it – it's it's always sad. It's always something that, uh, but even even sitting there with Pat and Coach not even knowing that Pat was there or I was there, um, didn't understand or comprehend the conversations that Pat and I were having, reliving uh, Coach's life and talking about Coach's life, and you know. But it's still different when all of a sudden you go from being in a room with somebody and then all of a sudden they're gone. Uh, it's a whole different feeling. And like you said, with losses, I think you start thinking about, you know, I start thinking about going to this camp from third grade to 12th grade. And I start thinking about then nobody paid attention to me in third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. But all of a sudden I became a junior. And fortunately I was good enough at that time that he, they took notice of me. And I thought we absolutely got screwed in the three on three camp got a bad whistle on a three-on-three <laughs> deal. And I think about that. You know, you, you think about those things to where out now Joby and, and Coach Cruz are coming, and they're like, you all right? You all right? <laughs> I'm like, no, I got a really bad whistle. <laughs> I lost the three-on-three. I, I wanted to win the three-on-three at camp. So you just think about all those things, and they're very meaningful when you get a chance to play under coach and at Indiana. One of the things that I, I think you realized, and I, I, I realized, was even when you're going through playing for a guy like Coach Knight, and there are no other guys like Coach Knight. There's just not. I, people right. can. Right. But you know, you know down the road, you're going to have some of the great stories ever. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know you're going to have some memories that just nobody else can possibly have. Right. Well, and then, as you know, the game has changed so much, and I love how Everybody talks about, well, coaches have got to adjust. Coaches have adjusted for decades, and players have, a coaches, players have adjusted for decades when rules change. But the era that we're in now, um, it's different. 
uh, because kids now can just leave. Things get tough. I mean, we're in February. So I, I think about February. You know, I, you sent me a picture yesterday. <laughs> you sent me a picture yesterday. I was I was the month of February. So I was Mr. February. I know. For the girls for the girls <laughs> calendar. And I remember talking to you. You you were on staff and I'm like, "Do I get on the bus?" I remember saying, "Dan, do I get on the bus?" And you go, "I have no idea what to tell you, but it's probably better to be on the bus than not be on the bus." And so I get on the bus and Next thing I know, I'm walking back from the Monroe County Airport, <laughs> and, and but the lesson that I learned, Dan, wasn't wasn't so much of that as it was the team played at Rupp. The team came back, and as you know, coach is very militant and disciplined, and he does things the same way all the time in his teachings. I didn't show up that night. I was so angry and mad about being suspended. I thought more probably I was thinking more self than anything else. And I think that's what you learn when you grind and you fail and things don't go your way. You learn how to cope with that. And I think that's what I appreciate the most. Uh, we're always going to be in a storm coming out of a storm or going in a storm. And these kids today, I feel for them because I, I worry about them when they're 27, 28 years of age. Yes. Um, what have they learned in the failure bit? Because you're at 28, you're not going to be able to go, oh, my boss didn't like how I performed today. I'm going to change jobs. It doesn't work that way that easy. And, you know, kids are getting paid now for, it was supposed to be name, image, and likeness. I, you know, whether you're for it or not, I get it. And you want to share in the in all the, the positives of college basketball, it's great. But I don't think you should have been set up this way to where you've done nothing and you're getting paid. It's that's not I don't think that's the way Caitlin Clark. I get it. That girl, she should be getting everything she's getting. Uh, <laughs> she scored 3000 points and she's transformed the game. Uh, but I, I just don't think our the DNA of what we're doing in college basketball right now is something that I'm just worried about when these kids we have are changing. We do our very best here to help them understand struggle uh, because at Indiana, you know, a struggle's coming, you know, Shoot, struggles come at Indiana or coach when you win. Uh, if you don't play well, there's going to be a struggle. Now, how do you how do you get on to the next day? And those are the things I really learned under coach. You know, Steve, um, I got two questions. One, did you go to the I-Men's Lounge after the game when the team got back? I can't remember. I've heard you tell that story. Did you go to the no, I-Men's Lounge after the Kentucky game? No, that's what I'm saying. I, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I – I just didn't know. Should have called. For, but it, there, I should have been there. I, I should have been there when the team got back, and I could remember it's the one time that I can remember Coach. You know, he never liked my defense from day one, and there were always things that he was trying to make me better. But the, yeah. the only time he used the word disappointment with me was he, he told me he was disappointed that when the team came back from Rupp, I wasn't there in the I-Men's lounge waiting on the team. and But but I will tell you, because of that, Dan, it's something that uh, I learned. I learned then about leadership, teammate, and it's helped me not just as a player, but as I coach. No, I, I, tell, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I go, look, the little things matter. And you yeah. pay attention to little things, and yeah, maybe a little thing. How does Nevada compete in the NIL world, Steve? Walk, walk, our, walk our people through. A lot of college basketball fans watch this. You know, we all hear about these mega deals that guys are getting. I've always said this. 
I've always said this. Look, if Steve Alford, when I was playing, got a ton of money, I'd have been the greatest teammate. I'd have been cool with that. He deserved it. But if Stu Robinson got more than me, I'd have been pissed. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, you yeah. know, because that's you say that, you well, say that, and I got to take care of his son. I got a mirror on my team, and we absolutely oh. love. He is a. Oh, he's going to be a great player. Well, I, and he's I'm a not, great teammate. So he listens yeah, to I'm Tracy. Not saying that as a, to Stu. I'm not saying that that's a negative. I'm just saying that's the mentality of players. So you got to deal, right. you know, with that mentality. The best player, I think, like you're the best. You're the guy. Get the money. We get it. But now these guys that are, you know, battling, right? I mean, right. That's interesting. Right. That's hard, is it not? Walk me through yeah. that. Yeah, I think the best thing, uh, easiest way I can say it, you know, whether the NCAA believes this or not, we're all general managers now. Uh, we're not just coaches. We're general managers, and it's about, hey, here's our here's our salary cap. <laughs> this is what we have. Yeah. And now it's going to be you got 12 guys, you got 13 guys. Um, now it's just boom, 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 and you this is how you plug it in until you get a, until you get your salary cap. That may not be what NCAA wants to hear, but that's what's going on in 365 programs. I mean, it's it, it is you figure out what money you have in the NIL, and then it's it's that that's what's taking place. And it, to me, that's not what it was set up to be. You know, we talked. You talked about, and we talked about getting suspended over a silly NCAA rule, right? Okay, our. Yeah. So that's the way the NCAA used to rule, okay? There were rules. They were, okay, this, 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 right. this, and this. Right. Do you feel I – mean, I talk to coaches almost every day. Do you, do you feel there are legitimate NCAA rules now regarding NIL? No. Um, and I, and I, I've been in it long enough, Dan. I, I've – as you You're know – You're the perfect guy to ask. And you've been in it. Uh, so I, I've been in – interview processes I've been to where I, I know what's happened and nothing has been done because now it's just it's one lawsuit after another and then after the lawsuit nothing happens and that's the frustrating part and I think that's what's got to get figured out because now with NIL now with the transfer portal um, we are semi-pro that's what we are and to really to a greater extent we're a much better option for players than the G League is or even playing overseas. Um, <laughs> that's why you got guys wanting to stay in school six, seven, eight years. <laughs> and you know, they come right. up with different they come up with different health reasons of why they deserve another year of eligibility. And you know, I got I got KJ Himes. He's my starting center. I'm in year five at Nevada. He was here at Nevada before I was here. <laughs> and if he wants to, he can come back again next year. Uh, he can play seven years in college basketball. That's how things have changed. And to be honest, for KJ, it'd be much better if he comes back next year than trying to do foreign play or the G League or something like that. It's much more advantageous to stay in college. Hey, last thing, last thing before I let you go. Um, you, you've been very, uh, what's the right word? You're the first guy that I knew that was open about Christianity. You were at FCA, and, and people knew where you yep. stood. You signed autographs. Uh, God bless. Yep. This is going back. I hate to say this, but we're all getting old now, so this is going back 40, 
some years. You know, yeah. we've seen athletes now come out with that um, and get criticized yeah. for it. C.J. Stroud really gets criticized. Where are your thoughts on bringing Christianity in post game, that kind of thing? Well, that's exactly right, Dan. But I think it's our it's our society. Uh, it's it's biblical that when you stand. When you stand for Christ, you're going to get criticized. Um, and we're seeing if all you got to do is look at the leadership uh, of our country, look at the leadership globally, um, it's scary. And so I, I commend those guys that are truthfully coming forward and professing Jesus and taking a stand because uh, I think we're in a we're in a time where we're living, Dan. That is 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 very. Uh, it's an angry, it's a selfish, it's an entitlement that we have not just in our country, but globally. Um, and I think taking that stand and you're, you love everyone, you're kind to everyone, uh, but you shouldn't be as accepting to what is wrong. And I think, um, we've become a nation that's accepting. You can love and, and be kind to people, but, um, there's only one way to live in my opinion. And that's being a follower of Christ. And I appreciate, the. The background I got with mom and dad and then um, everybody that's come into my life since then to keep me accountable and keep me growing doesn't mean I haven't sinned. I've sinned. I've wronged. I've I've been a bad person uh, in numerous times, but uh, I know who my Lord and Savior is. and I know um, I know how I should be doing things. Yeah, your level of bad person is like the G League. So, you know, it's, it's your, your level well, of bad person. Like yeah, you're looking at a bad but, person, pal. So no, 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 you're it, it's it, everybody's love. Everybody. It doesn't matter what we've done, Dan. That's the, that's the whole key to Christianity and the whole key to living that life is that uh, there's nothing any of us have done that is bad enough to lose the love of, uh, of God. You know, I've always, I always admire, I've never talked to you about it before, but I always admired it. Even when I was a little older than you and I was a junior, you're a freshman. And I, I always admired, I always admired that. As I said, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know the history of it enough, but you were the first guy. Yeah. Not a lot of guys in Gary, Indiana were saying, hey, God bless as they were, you know, stealing your lunch money or whatever the hell it was. But, you know, you were, <laughs> and I always admired that about you, Steve. I really, I really did. I, I, uh, uh, um, I appreciate that. I did. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's not easy to do. It's not. No. And uh, you've always walked it. You've always talked it. You've always walked it. And I appreciate you. Hey, man, good luck, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Love you, Doc. See you, brother. Love you, too. That's my boy, Bye -bye. Steve Alford. Uh, I'm telling you, he's the one guy that lives it. He did. He would write God bless. He was always the guy. And I, I, I didn't ever thought about that. I was just trying to get along. But uh, what a great dude. No, I mean, God, I just, oh, I, I, you know, you don't talk about it. And you tease, you make fun. Steve and I laugh a lot uh, when we do talk. But it's just like sometimes you just look back on things and you go, God dang, that was ballsy by Steve Gutsy. And he lived it. And I've always thought that was cool. I did. I've always thought. He was not the guy that said it, talked it, and then was out acting like an idiot with the rest of us. You know, he was always the guy that said it, lived it, and lived it more. And that is cool. And people that want to get mad at C.J. Stroud or get mad at guys like Steve or get mad at Scott Drew, you can go ahead and be mad. That's great. Go ahead. Be mad. You do your thing. But I absolutely love it.
And I appreciate Steve for coming on, and thanks to everybody that got Steve on. Doing a hell of a job at New Mexico. I wanted to ask him, I forgot to ask him about his league because I love his league. I love watching him. New Mexico got beat last night by Boise. I tell you what, Colorado State, who Steve just beat, is a terrific basketball team. I've always said Steve should have been the head coach at Indiana, and there should be a no-brainer. Mike Woodson, I hope he does a great job. I hope they win national championships. I do. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those old guys that goes down every game and all that stuff, but I, I do. I hope he wins. But I, I've always thought Steve was, is the perfect guy to be the head coach at Indiana for a lot of reasons. Oh, what did I say? New Mexico? I'm sorry. Nevada, I'm sorry. But New Mexico is damn good, too. Mexico is really good. So anyway, yeah, I know he coaches Nevada, Nick. It's my boy. I screw things up. <laughs> I'm an ish guy. I get close, but I can't tell you. So, you know, I just admire people that aren't afraid, and Steve's never been afraid. And as I said, I'll close this up. Steve came to Indiana to be great. I look back and I wish I had his mentality. Maybe I was too insecure. Maybe I knew my limitations too well as an athlete. I couldn't run, jump, touch the rim, that kind of stuff. Just tried to make the team, be a part of a team. But he came to be great, and he worked at it, and he was great. Not good, great. Not great. In the history of college basketball, there's never been a Steve Alford. There's never been another one. You can look this up. National championship, guarded. Coach Knight didn't like the way he defended. He ended up being the all-time steals leader in Indiana. Seven threes, national championship game. Led. When he was a freshman, we went to the Elite Eight. When he was a sophomore, we were horse shit. It was my fault as a leader. When he was a junior, he lost to Cleveland State, and he talks about looking at that game. Then when he's a senior, he just got made everybody sit up straight, made everybody be better, and they won a national team. There's never been another Steve off. And I'll go to my grave saying, never. Billy Donovan was great. You can, you know, maybe Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker maybe was another Steve off. Maybe. Maybe. Few and far between. Just telling you. And I just have always appreciated the guy. All right, um, what? What are you guys in my ear for? Are we going woke dope? What's going on around here? Woke dope me. What's going on in the world that we need to straighten out right now? You know I love the hats. I do. I, I love <laughs> Please don't embarrass Americans today. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but man, oh man. The other day, our guy, President Biden, was hanging out with some workers, real workers, blue-collar workers, guys that wear hard helmets, and he tried to be one of the guys. And in trying to be one of the guys, he put the hard hat on backwards. Now, look, somebody's getting fired, right? Somebody's got to get fired. You're fired. You didn't straighten me out. Hard hats are hard. My, my brother-in-law, Donnie Ross, is an iron worker in Detroit, toughest dude I've ever met in my life. I, of all the people in my life, even though I'm 60, I wouldn't mess with anybody. I would never mess with him. I did put his hat on one time, and I did put it on backwards, but you know immediately, don't embarrass us today, people. Next! Oh, man. In a tragic yet ironic incident, World Economic Forum Chairman Klaus Schwab is eaten by a giant insect because we are all now supposed to eat insects. I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't eating insects. Look, thank God I'm old enough. You guys, hey, Aaron, you're not quite, maybe you are, Soylent Green. Soylent Green was about food shortage. Next thing you know, boom. Next thing you know, bam. We're chopping up dead people and we're making it meat. It's a good movie. Give it a watch. But the truth of the matter is, 
Now they want us to eat bugs. I ain't eating bugs. I'm not. I don't care whether Klaus Schwab or Charles Schwab or Sandy Schwab or Schwab my ear wants me to eat bugs. I ain't doing it. Not doing it. Period. Ain't happening. But it would be ironic if he did get eaten by a giant insect. Next! Oh, man. Born and strangle, hopscotch, beer, fat up, give it to You know, one of my favorite things is to look at the look at the words that my man speaks. I wish that somebody would put a a look. Let's just make a transcript of everything that Joe Biden says. Let's just put a transcript out there. It's some funny stuff. It's some real. Real funny stuff. Hey, thanks, everybody, today. What a great day. Steve Alford, fantastic. Tyrus' show all over OutKick.com as we continue to grow. OutKick is going to be at the Super Bowl. That's right. I said it. I meant it. I wish I could be there. Doctor told me not to fly yet. But man, oh, man, Hot Mike's going to be out there. Clay's going to be out there. I don't know who all is going to be out there, but I guarantee you this, we're going to have you covered. And as we move towards tomorrow, Friday, we're going we're gonna to start looking at some props. We're going to start looking at some things. And don't get mad at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Don't. It's fun when teams show personality. It's fun. I did take the happy pill. Oh, yeah, the little blue pill. That's a, you know, you know how we do. Yeah. There's two kinds of happy pills. One on my left. The blue one for her and one on the right for me. See you tomorrow.